Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Good morning, Evangel Church. Happy Mother's Day. Just want to thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you here today. And it's something that I do not take lightly and very humble just to be standing here before you today. Since becoming a mom, I have come to appreciate my own mom and my grandmother so much more and my aunts. I just want to thank you guys so much just for the legacy and the Christian heritage that you've given to me. And I can only hope and pray that I can pass that same godly example and legacy to my own children. I am so thankful to be serving here at a church where this is not the first time that you've seen a woman preaching. And secondly, you may be sitting here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You may be sitting here and feeling that today's message maybe won't apply to you. Maybe you're a dad. Maybe you're a guy sitting here. Oh, I'm not a mom. Don't miss out. I want to challenge you today. God has something very special for you that he wants to tell you. And today at the end of the message, you will have an opportunity uh, to make it a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are in control of all things. I thank you for this service. I thank you for every person here. I pray, God, that you will minister your word today. I hide behind you. Let your truth be made known today, God. Let your words be spoken forth. And I pray that um, you would speak to us today. We thank you so much in your name. Amen. All right. As you may know, the series that we're currently in, I'll just fix this, is called The Life Hacks, A Better Way to Live. Now, before I get started, I may, I'm going to have you turn to two places, uh, Jeremiah, 29, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 27 and Matthew um, chapter 11, and you can keep a bookmark in there for now. Today, we're actually going to be looking at a life hack that existed in Bible times, and we'll get there in just a moment. Now, when I realized that Mother's Day was going to fall into the life hack series, I knew it would be the most perfect fit. Because we all know that moms are the best life hackers out there. I'm going to give a shout out to the moms. Believe me, I know what some of you can do with a glue gun, uh, a rubber band, paper clip, and some vinegar and baking soda, right? <laughs> There's so many life hack videos out there on Facebook and social media. I love some of these. Um, you can take a, take a look at some of these right now. Um, these are made by moms who are using everything under the sun, whether it's pool noodles, balloons, you got it in your purse. Boom, it, it's made into a life hack. We are constantly trying to find a better way to clean, organize, manage clutter, and save time. And where is the, what is a mom to put all of her cleverness? Yeah, this one's really cool, right, with the stickers? I like that one. Where is a mom to put all her clever tricks and necessities so that she can whip out anything she needs within a moment's notice? Well, this is the best life hack of all. Enter the bag. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah, the mom bag, right? Now, what I've come to realize is that I've actually had a bag for almost every season in my life that has accompanied me. I've had some type of um, bag in uh, high school and college, a backpack that carried my pencils, my pens, my notebooks, my textbooks. Then I became a teacher, and I traded the uh, high school college bag for the teacher bag, and it had all of my lesson plans, my papers to grade, uh, my teacher additions. And then once I became a mother, I traded the teacher bag for now, the mom bag, as we call it, it entered my life. Now for you, maybe it's not the mom bag, but maybe it's the dad bag, the gym bag, the pocketbook, the briefcase, the MERS, whatever you want to call it, you fill in the blank. 
My, uh, uh, Chris's dad carries one of those. He loves it. It's, it's, it's great. But <laughs> what we're describing here is simply any bag that you use to carry all the things that you deem necessary to have with you at all times for those just-in-case moments. Now, the bag itself is a life hack because who would want to be stuck carrying all this stuff in your arms? Now, just guys, just humor me. We're going to be entering uh, my world for just a moment as we talk about what has come to be known as the mom bag. Let's take a look aside my bag. We know that these bags, they come in all shapes and sizes. They've got compartments and zippers coming out of everywhere. We've got wipes. We've got diapers. We've got, oh, it's Sophie the teething giraffe. This is amazing. Um, not only that, but I have, like, my purse, my checkbook, my bills. I got, these are a lifesaver, like, all the time. Um, electrical outlet covers, potty seat, um, keys, emergency crayons, uh, another diaper, you know, you got it, you name it, it's in the mom bag. Check, check, check. And some of you, it's not even a bag anymore. It's your car, and it's there to carry you and all your people and all the stuff and the sports equipment and the cooler and this, that. I don't think I need to say anymore. You know who you are. So my husband and I learned very early on in our parenting journey that the diaper bag, as we call it, the wonderful and blessed lifesaver that it is, it actually has a few setbacks. Now, probably one of the worst things about this bag, even though it's pretty and lovely and has long straps and it's uh, you know, designed with mom in mind, is that what every mom and dad or family member who's ever had to carry it knows is that it's really heavy. And I'm not just talking about, oh, just a couple groceries heavy. I mean, it's, it's heavy, it weighs you down. It's like breaking your shoulder heavy or as my daughter likes to call it, that is very much heavy. <laughs> but that doesn't stop us, right, moms? Because in this situation, the end justify the means. Because deep down is that overarching fear that we all have. Not having what we need, when we need it, and where we need it. And then we have all these questions. Did I pack enough things? Did I pack the right things? Did I pack the wrong things? And what do we do if I don't have the wrong things? Where do we get the things? My husband always says, don't worry. When we get there, we'll just buy new stuff. And I'm like, no, I, we have to have it all with us. Because, see, we want to be in control. We want to have it all figured out. We want to have a solution to every possible problem that we could be faced with. We want things to go a certain way, and we don't want to be caught off guard. But see, this is not a new issue for us. Humans have been trying to figure out better ways to manage and control things since biblical times. Now, life hacks aren't just for today. Since the dawn of civilization, mankind has been creating inventions that have helped make life easier for people. So today in God's Word, we're going to take a look at a life hack that is the modern, I'm sorry, we're going to take a look at a life hack um, that is the biblical version of the bag. Now, this invention is seen many times in the Bible and was often used to help make work easier. I'm talking about something called a yoke. Now, you might hear the word yoke and say, oh, is that, you know, have to do with the scrambled eggs I might have eaten for my Mother's Day breakfast today? And I hope it was tasty. Hopefully you got your breakfast in bed. Um, but that's not the yoke that I'm talking about. The yoke that I'm talking about, and we have some pictures here, it was a tool that was developed to help with plowing and pulling a large load. It was a curved wooden beam that would usually be placed on the neck of animals, usually oxen, working together as a pair. 
And then they attached a cart or to the plow, which allowed them to pull something and make the work easier. Not a bad life hack for just the first century. Now we see the examples of this in ancient literature as well as in the Old Testament, where we see the term referring to a yoke of oxen or a pair of oxen. Job chapter 1 verse 3 describes the many possessions that Job had. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. Now, if you were part of our history series and you were part of our Bible reading plan throughout the Old Testament, um, you may remember this passage. Both Numbers and Deuteronomy tell us that when picking animals for sacrifice, they could not choose cows that had worn a yoke or had been involved in any type of work. Numbers 19.2 says this, Speak to the sons of Israel that they bring you an unblemished red heifer in which there is no defect and on which a yoke has never been placed. Now, we may be more familiar with the idea of an animal yoke, but there were human yokes as well, which could be worn by a single person over the neck to help distribute weight, the weight of the load across the shoulders. And then the idea of the yoke itself started with good intentions. They were meant as a life hack to make the carrying easier. It still was something very heavy that the person or the animal had to carry. It still signified a woad to be carried. Now, the mom bag, again, usually starts off the same way. Now, for an expecting mom, it's a pristine bag. There's no stains. Um, it's usually the right shape. Um, maybe there's two diapers in here, one box of wipes, maybe one change of clothes, and it's just sitting there waiting, has no idea what <laughs> is about to happen to it. <laughs> But then after the baby comes, what happens? You add more. You put more things in. You need to stuff it all. It comes spilling out. It doubles. It triples its weight and size. Now, over time, the idea of the yoke took on the same way. And, as, and it even began to become synonymous with the idea of oppression, of burden, not just physical, but also spiritual. So we're going to turn to uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 27 to see a great example of this. Now in this chapter, God has asked Jeremiah to do something very, very strange. Now the people were about to be taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar, and God wanted to send them a message to warn them. So God had asked Jeremiah, get this, to wear an actual yoke around his neck as a physical symbol to the people as he delivered his message to him. This was not just a one-time thing, however, as many false prophets were rising up and they were trying to argue against him and, and steer the people into a wrong way. And Jeremiah, he actually had to wear this yoke for 15 years. Can you believe that? Jeremiah 27, verse 2 says, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourself bonds and yokes and put them on your neck. And, and so he does this and he gives this message to the people on how they need to submit to the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. Later on uh, in chapter 28, verse 14, Jeremiah tells the false prophet Hananiah, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron that's a really strong picture we see here. A yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. Now, we might not find ourselves in submission to any Old Testament kings or rulers, but, you know, we're not that far off. 
Some of us, we're still carrying yokes of burdens that we emotionally and physically and spiritually should not be bearing. We find ourselves oppressed instead by the kings of this world. So things like social media, what dictates the standard of beautiful. We all know how, what this does to us, right? What movies and TV depict as beautiful and what love and sex should really look like. What about the love of money, the pursuit of material wealth and gain, or maybe the lack thereof with so many people in financial debt and crisis? Some of us carry the weight of responsibilities that have fallen to us, either on our own accord or, or recklessness that we've had. Or perhaps we become victim to unfortunate circumstances through no fault of our own, through things like sickness, death, loss of a job, or even broken relationships. Then there are the impossible expectations that are either put on us by others or by ourselves as we begin to listen to the lies that the enemy has to tell us. And we continue to carry this through our lives. And while we strive to attain the status quo and try to manage the day-to-day -day pressures, some of us even have to cope with the daily struggle of fear and depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. We get these thoughts of, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Or, I can't handle this. I'm a complete failure. Or maybe the soundtrack's a bit different for you. Maybe you're the exact opposite. And you say to yourself, you like to be in denial, and you kid ourselves into thinking, I can do this all on my own. I can only rely on me. I'm super mom, I'm super dad, I'm super businesswoman, I'm super ministry volunteer. You fill in the blank, you know what you are. And we think we can do it all in our own strength. And with each step, the bag gets bigger. The load gets heavier. And the life hack that was actually supposed to be helping us is now hacking our lives as it continues to burden us and cripple us day in and day out. And as a result, we are weary. We are tired. We are burned out. And we have lost all hope. See, the Lord has a message for us today. See, Jesus, the creator of the universe, he died on the cross for our sins, that same Jesus comes to you and I today on May 14th, 2017. And at the edge of your seat, he lovingly whispers to you one simple word. And he says to us, come. Come to me. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble, and I am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today. And when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking to a group of people who knew all too well what it felt like to be oppressed. Matthew 9.36 tells us that upon seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus hung out with the sinners. He hung out with the lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lowly members of society. So let's just say that it was not a popular thing to be a friend of Jesus in, in his day. And as Jewish Christians living under the harsh role of the Roman government, they felt the oppression of that political climate. Additionally, there were even more burdens placed on them, more pressure from the Pharisees for the people to conform to the yoke of the Torah. And we talked about that in our history series. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, and so they felt the weight of that law, the heavy burden of all of its commandments and stipulations and regulations. Matthew chapter 23, verse 4 says, Jesus says this about the Pharisees, that they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders so that they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But as we see in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus is continually calling people not to the government, not to what society may think, and not to the law. He calls them to himself. And what does the text say? Come to me, all of you. Not just the perfect ones. Not just the ones who have it all figured out. Not the ones with the Instagram-worthy pictures and the spotless kitchen floors. I know that I would not be in that group. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. There's no exclusions here. So that means in our brokenness, in our shame, in our fear, whatever it is that defines you, whatever's in your bag that you carry today, he willingly invites us to come to him with all of our stuff. Why? So that he can give us the rest that we need. Like a worker in the field who's been burdened under the heavy yoke of the plow, Jesus sees you, whether you're in the balcony or on the floor or online today, he sees you in the midst of your daily struggle and circumstance. And he says, I will refresh you. It's a promise that he makes to us today. And what's interesting is that the verb used here for the word rest it doesn't imply that the work is done. And it doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to be freed of all life's constraints. Life isn't going to get like any easier. It just means that the rest that Jesus is describing is different. It's the rest that enables the worker to go back to their task. And instead of being burdened and heavy laden, they now have a renewed sense of vigor and strength. And it's the kind that only comes from being with him. And so where our hands may be busy at the task, our hearts can be at complete rest with him. And now there's an exchange that happens. We're now we can finally take off the yoke that we currently have. Jesus says in verse 29, to take my yoke upon you 
let me teach you. And now some of you may be sitting here thinking, wait a minute, Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought the yoke was a bad thing. Why are you telling me to put on your yoke? What does that mean? Like we said before, a yoke implies obedience. Indeed, it's often used as servitude, either to someone or something. But what makes the difference here is what sort of master are you serving? See, the kind of yoke that you carry shows you exactly who you're serving. Jesus tell us, tells us in his word that we cannot serve two masters. Now, for some of us, maybe we're serving our job and financial security, and we're carrying around that yoke. Maybe we're serving under the yoke of a spiraling addiction. Or perhaps we're serving under the yoke of perfection and trying to have it all together, at least on the outside. But see, when we take Jesus' yoke, we don't have to be afraid of him. Why? Because of his character, because of who he is. We can trust him because he is humble. The text says he's humble and gentle at heart. Other translations may say that he's meek and lowly of heart. And that means he's not going to oppress or hurt us. He's not going to stand over us like a policeman in the sky or an angry taskmaster. Jesus comes to us in this moment and he says to us, I am not like that person who walked out on you. I am not like that person who ridiculed and abused you. I am not like that person who hurt you and was unfaithful to you. You are not under that yoke anymore. Galatians 5.1 tells us this, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Amen. Thank you for your word, Jesus. See, Jesus was, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus was offering to the people of this time a different kind of yoke which came from his mercy, his love, his grace, and it was easier to bear. And instead of the yoke of the law and of the Torah, Jesus offered the yoke of himself and of his word. And what's interesting here is that the yoke of the law, it started out as something good. It was used for correction and to, uh, to give guidance. Like our bag here, starting off with good intentions, right? But it became more and more of an incredible burden to the common people as more regulations and commands and stipulations that, that they, people could never live up to those expectations. They could never achieve perfection. Acts 15.10, Peter argues with the pressures of, when the pressures of the law are coming against the believers. He says, now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have even been able to bear? See, other yokes would make one weary while Jesus offers rest. He is inviting people to follow him, to serve him, and to learn from him. And when we take Jesus' yoke, we are choosing to be one of his disciples and to allow him to teach us and to show us a better way to live. Now, verse 30 goes on to say, My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 
And again, Jesus is not calling us to a burdensome or a worrisome existence. Yes, there is service to be done. Yes, there is work to do. But it's going to be a service that's refreshing. It's going to be glorifying and honoring to the Lord and not to man. It will be a delight, not a drudgery. And see, there are so many of you here today that you have such amazing God-given talents and abilities. And when those giftings line up with his strength, God can do such amazing things throughout all of you. Whether it's teaching, designing, cooking, baking, playing music, or just serving as the body of Christ in the way that it was meant to be, you are able to accomplish so much more with him than you would without him. And even more, the rest that Jesus offers to his disciples and to us today is enough to overcome any measure of fear, anxiety, or uncertainty that we may face. So my question to you today, here's our bag. If we are followers of Christ, right, and Galatians 5.1 is true, and we are not subject to that yoke of slavery, then what's with the bag? Why are we still walking around as if we're not free? Why are we still being heavily burdened and laden with the bags that we carry? So when my first daughter, Lily, was born, I had a teacher bag that I traded in for a diaper bag. This is actually not the one. I had a different one. It's a little bit smaller. And so then when she got older, she, we traded that bag for a backpack that she could carry. Mostly I carry it, but she can carry it. And then we got this bag, we traded up, a much bigger bag, for when my son Josiah was born. And so as you can picture and imagine, anytime we go out, it's like the three-ring circus. And I got my bags, I got the kids, I got the stroller, I got the car seat that snaps into the stroller, and then whatever else, the groceries, you know, all that stuff. It's a huge pain, right? However, on the rare occasion that maybe I get to go out by myself, yay, or even with my husband on a date, yay, gasp, right? Um, it's like one of the most freeing experiences, not because I don't love my children, but because I don't have to lug around all their stuff, <coughs> which is great. But here's something that has happened to us. Get ready for this. We get to our destination, and, you know, we, we get in the thank you so much. <laughs> we get to our destination, and, you know, we're ready to go. We're at the restaurant or the mall or whatever it is. We're so excited, you know, be out on town, whatever, going to a movie. And we suddenly realize, uh-oh, I don't have my wallet. I don't have my license. I don't have anything on me. Um, everything, my money, my ID, my gift cards, my coupons, they were all left in the diaper bag with my children. And it's a funny story, but if you think about it, sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow our identities to get so wrapped up in our baggage and we begin to lose sight of who we are in Christ and we don't walk in the fullness of who he wants us to be. We lose our identity. Some of you may think, well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad, I'm just a teenager. You know, what, what is there for me? This is, this is my plot in life. Just stop right there. 
Your identity cannot be found in the yoke that you bear. Your identity must be found in Christ. You are first and foremost a son or daughter of the king. You are his child. You have an incredible purpose for your life. And it's something way beyond the baggage that you may be carrying today. And some of us, we like our bags, right? Oh, this one's pretty. They're comfy. They are safe. We like the comfort and the safety that they bring. For some of us, this may be all that we've ever known. And we've been carrying these burdens for so long that we don't even know how to function without them. They almost become a crutch. And we have allowed our lives to cling to our dysfunction and instead of dealing with it, we conform our lives to the bag. The bag is supposed to help us. We're like helping the bag now. Here is something that I believe Jesus wants us to realize today. When we carry the wrong burdens, it becomes a barrier to God's best. And I'm going to say that again. When we carry the wrong burdens, it becomes a barrier of what God's best is for our lives. There is so much that God has for us and that he wants to do in and through us, but it's coming on the other side of that baggage. And some of us are so afraid of what might actually happen if we do decide to let go. We're afraid of that careful balancing act that we've been trying to keep still. We're afraid it's all going to come crashing down on us. What if we lose everything we've strived for? Or what if, what if we actually started walking into the calling that God has placed on our lives? See, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26 say it best. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, what's amazing is that when we choose to take on Christ's yoke and take up our cross, he is right alongside of us. He is both the servant and and the master, for he willingly carried his own cross and suffered and died so that we could have eternal life with him. And so what do we do? We must, must choose daily. This is not a one-time thing. We must choose daily to let go of the bag and to take up the yoke that Jesus has to offer us. How do we do that? It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a hard daily process that we go through every day. But I have three things that I want to tell you that Jesus says that we can put into practice. And as I talk about this, I'd like the Pastor Rick and the worship team, you guys can come up now. Number one, one of the first things that we need to do, whatever it is, whatever that load is that you're carrying, you need to just let go of it. We need to recognize our need for help. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we are all broken people. We live in a broken world. 
And this means that every single day, we have to go to the Lord and we have to lay down our burdens. We have to pour our hearts out to him. We have to lay ourselves at the foot of his cross. First Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So for me, it means I have to stop being super mommy. I have to stop striving and juggling to make it all fit and be perfect and work together. I have to stop pleasing other people and only focus on what God thinks of me. So for you, who do you have to stop being? What are the lies of the enemy that you have to stop believing? What do you have to let go of so that God can start doing within you the things that he has planned for you so that you can start walking in all the fullness that he has for you. Number one, let go. Number two, lean in. Be willing to accept his yoke because we can't throw off something and not take up something better, right? We can't throw off the yoke we've created without also picking up his because we will end up back at square one. We'll end up with our own baggage, or worse, even more than we started out with. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So we need to remind ourselves daily that we cannot live this life in our own strength. Jesus says that his mercies are new for us every morning and that his grace is sufficient for us. We don't have to be afraid to lean into Jesus because he is big enough. He is strong enough and is able to handle it. He's able to carry us through. Number one, let go. Number two, lean in. And number three, learn. Learn from him. Become a student of his word. You can only learn from him when you take the time to sit at his feet. We know how to create space for the things that are a priority to us. And this is a hard one for us. It's a hard one for me. I can't even tell you how many crazy things happened to me this week that tried to distract and get in the way of this message. We gotta wake up early. We gotta stay up late. We gotta do whatever it is. We gotta be so thirsty for him, so desperate for him. God, I can't live another moment without you filling me, without you, your Holy Spirit being part of my life. Whatever you gotta do, listen to the Bible in your car, put on worship music in your house, immerse yourself in it, saturate yourself in his presence. Give him that space so that he can talk to you. Take the time to pray by yourself and with your family members. As you know, I have little children, so I get it. I don't have much time to myself at all. But it's so easy for me to recognize that I am a much better wife and mother when I actually do take the time to spend with him than when I don't. And it's not just me that notices it. They notice it too. Everything I do flows out of my relationship with him. So how can I expect to give and to serve and to love when I'm operating out of emptiness, when I'm running on low? We need to take the time every day to learn from Jesus and allow his love to shape our lives. See, every day we're going to be faced with a temptation. It's not going away. 
we will be faced with the temptation to pick up the bags that we have carried or take on new ones as we're faced with life's challenges. But it's only by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we can truly be set free from these bondages. And we've already, it says it in his word, we've been set free. We have to start living it. We gotta start walking it. We gotta start claiming it in the name of Jesus. So church, if you stand with me today, I want us just to take the time to really look into our own hearts. And I know we might have places to be, but I wanna ask you today the question, what will you choose today? Which bag will you carry? And some of you, you're weighed down by your current circumstances, the pressures that you face, the demands, the expectations that have been placed on you or by others, by yourself. You fill in the blank. You know what it is. If that's you today, Jesus says, come. These altars are open. And even within the sound of my voice as I'm talking, we invite you now, come to him all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are heavy laden. Within the sound of my voice, if you hear me today, Jesus invites us to come to this altar. Some of you are still weighed down by the weight of the sin and shame that you carry. Jesus invites you to once and for all lay it down. Make him the Lord of your life today. If that's you today, come. Come to him. Some of you may be in need of healing in your body and you've been carrying a burden of sickness that you can no longer physically or emotionally bear, Jesus says to us, come, come to my altar. Let me give you rest. Let me give you peace. Let me fill you and heal you. Some of you are in need of freedom from the chains of depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness. Jesus is your hope today, yesterday, and tomorrow, forever. Amen. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you need a touch from Jesus today. Now is the time to come to him. Jesus is calling out to us today to come, to let go of our baggage, to lean into him and learn what it truly means to be his disciple. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you today. Thank you, God. I thank you for each person that is in this room today. And I pray, Father, that we would respond to the call, that we would come, we would bring ourselves to you, we would lay ourselves at our feet and truly learn what it means to be your disciple. In your name we pray. Amen. Just respond to the invitation. We thank you Amen. so much, Church. Jesus. Let's come on down. Let's... We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.